4: I promised myself when I was younger That I would not become this sort of person Really? And I still don't want to become this sort of person I don't want to be the sort of old person Who thinks things are crappy And getting crappier all the time And the the world's going to hell in a handbasket And kids today I did not want to be that guy Because every generation You know, lots of old people get that way Right
2: yeah, and I, under- Yet. Uh, uh, I,
4: I understand why. Go on. <laughs> Yet look around you. Yes. There are some extraordinary things going on that are just weird. People not getting married and having kids. 20% of millennials claim they have no friends. The shootings, the politics, the media, the Fine. internet. Just things that, that didn't, didn't exist weren't even problems anybody could even conceive of. Nobody conceived of people not getting together and having sex anymore. I mean, just... just. These things weren't even on on anybody's radar.
2: Well, and this is why I will probably die of my brain exploding someday. Just so many of the discussions we're in these days are not only so fevered, but so dumb. Like the idea that uh, I wish we could go back to the way it was. Well, you're nostalgic for when racism was rampant. Oh, God. It's just so dumb. I mean, unless the person expressing that actually is expressing that. You know, I don't know if you know this about me, Jack. I'm kind of an avid golfer. I like to play golf. (laughs) And the thing about golf, the cruel part of golf, and I'll get to the point, believe me, is that if you're driving the ball well, you're almost certainly putting like crap. And the moment your putting comes around and you're making everything, you can't hit an iron to save your life. It's just the nature of the game. It's a hard game. To say, I wish it was like yesterday when I was hitting my iron so well, is not to say, and when I was putting like crap too, because I want to putt like crap. The idea is, as a society, like as a golfer, you'd like to solidify the things you're doing well, and understand why you're doing them well, and fix the stuff you're doing bad. To say... I long for a time when people were truly connected to the people in their community and their friends and loved ones and social organizations and church or whatever. It's not to say, and by the way, I'd like to go back to before there was a cure for AIDS. No, the idea is you'd like to find the stuff you're bad at and get better at it. Okay, well, I hope most So of us- having said that, I don't think you come off as a bitter oldster when you say, we used to get some stuff right, now we're getting it wrong.
4: Okay, well, that makes sense, and I hope we're all smart enough to understand what's what's the good stuff and what's the bad stuff. But a bunch of the things that I mentioned there, nobody knows what... Noses? Nobody knows, it's like my uh, youngest, when he says, uh, uh, the the tooth time I did that, no, it's second, first, second, third. Then then it's just TH from there on out. And yet that's as good (laughs) as the real word. (laughs) Sure, I know what he meant. First time, the tooth time. (laughs) Um uh what was my point it i had a one time oh i uh, started the tooth time i started talking funny that's what happened <laughs> now, uh, all, all of those things that i mentioned nobody even knows what's the cause of them now i mean we can't diagnose how they happen and the, those that we can figure out why they happen there's no fixing it right without violating all kinds of uh, uh constitutional rights and whatnot mm-hmm. so um There's value in diagnosing it, though. But the the why we stopped coupling and prefer to be alone in our rooms. I mean, there's guesses, Internet, this, whatever. Why, why, why? Everybody I know has at least one child, if not all of them, who deal with depression and anxiety. We don't know why that is. But that's a huge problem. So all these things, they're they're huge. They're huge changes around us.
2: Yeah. And we'd probably make more money if we'd join everybody else and just spouting partisan nonsense at each other. But I don't know. I just don't have it in me. Um, yeah, these 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 questions will either be answered to our benefit and health, or they will not be and it will be to our doom. But, yeah, I wish you all luck. Uh, good luck in digging. Just to take care of you and yours and think about this stuff and do your best. I just don't wallow in it, though. You know, like I said earlier, if you're just tuning in, I had friends who were super into the whole shooting thing over the weekend and and wanted to engage in it. And I appreciate that because they're my friends and they wanted to know what I thought and the rest of it. But I had to ask them to stop um, because at, at some point you can't, you, and I'm talking to you, you can't take on the weight of the world. You can't take on all the horror and pain of the world. It, it'll ruin you. And I think that's part of the like cluster of diseases we're talking about right here. The presence of never-ending, omnipresent global media. Because the way media works, if it bleeds, it leads. Is trying to thrust the pain of the world onto you. And, and I think you probably ought to build a couple of fences and, and not let that happen. Or it'll screw you up inside,
4: driving ourselves crazy. This, this next generation of of, of of people that are that are that started their lives like this. Yeah. My mind is broken because of smartphones and the internet, and I had a good many decade head start. Yeah, of regular, quietened normalcy. People that are that they're having this. Maybe their brains will adjust to it quicker. And I don't know. I know. But we're off the rails. I mean, hey, there- does Oprah still have a show?
2: I was thinking a lot uh, of the stuff I was saying would play well on Oprah, and then I'd get (laughs) rich. So does she have a show? Somebody figure that. No, I don't think she does.
4: It's not like we're having all these shootings, and it's weird that we're having all these shootings because everything is exactly the same as it's always been. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely not true. Said no one.
2: Right. Right. Yeah.
4: Society and the way we live has been incredibly restructured in just a couple
2: of decades. And you people shouting, it's Trump. Seriously? Oh Lord! Now maybe he's not helping, but I don't want to talk about that because it's a distraction. Because everybody gets their backup, including me, about the whole partisan thing. It's just it's wrong. It's the wrong questions, and I'm not saying it plays no role because I think kind of it sort of does in some ways. But um, you, you got to start at the at the at the root of the thing.
4: So a couple of researchers. This is a great article in the L.A. Times. Day. A couple of researchers looked at every shooting, mass shooting since the sixties and found out found four things in common with all the shooters this is interviewing family friends shooters who survived etc 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 nearly one hundred percent commonality of four things that they all have in common it's pretty interesting stay tuned for that next on the armstrong and getty show
0: The Armstrong and Getty
4: Show. Great article in the L.A. Times today. From Jillian Peterson and James Densley, who uh, got a uh, project funded by the National Institute of Justice to study the life histories of mass shooters in the United States. And they studied every mass shooting going back to 1966. Every mass shooter who shot or killed four or more people.
2: Um, By the way, quickly, because I wasn't sure when you when we first talked about this, the National Institute of Justice is the research, development, and evaluation agency of the U.S. Department of Justice. It's their science wing. Anyway, back to you.
4: Our goal has been, find, been to find new data-driven pathways preventing these shootings. Although we haven't found that mass shooters are all alike, our data do reveal... Four commonalities among the perpetrators of nearly all mass shootings we studied. Now that was interesting, they talked to incarcerated perpetrators, those that, you know, don't kill themselves or get shot by the police. They talked to them, mm-hmm. talked to their families, talked to shooting survivors, first responders. They've read media, social media, manifestos, suicide notes, trial transcripts, medical records. They came up with four things that the shooters had in common.
2: So they're getting at the answer to the real question.
4: First, the vast majority, majority of mass shooters in their study experienced early childhood trauma and exposure to violence at a young age. The nature of their exposure included parental suicide, physical or sexual abuse, neglect, domestic violence, and or severe bullying. The trauma was often a precursor to mental health concerns, including depression, anxiety, thought disorders, and suicidality. Um, so that's one. Second, practically every mass shooter we studied had reached an identifiable crisis point in the weeks or months leading up to the shooting. They often had become angry and despondent because of a specific grievance. For workplace shooters, a change in job status was frequently the trigger. For shooters in other contexts, relationship rejection or loss often played a role. Such crises were, in many cases, communicated to others through a marked change in behavior, an expression of suicidal thoughts, or plans, or specific threats of violence. That one is really interesting to me. So there, there is a period of days, or weeks, or months there where you could possibly identify these people. Mm-hmm. I don't know what we do that with that in a free society, but yeah. And there's some pretty
2: different scenarios there: the workplace shooter, the rejected lover, um, you know, and various other mass murderer lunatics who've shot up various places, but. Just because, you know, it doesn't answer everything doesn't mean it's not an answer worth considering.
4: Third, most all shooters had studied the actions of other shooters and sought validation for their motives. People in crisis have always existed, but in the age of 24-hour rolling news and social media, there are scripts to follow that promise notoriety and death.
2: Those which are actively promoted by the media, I would point out. Yeah,
4: it's not, uh, you know, it's not automatic you get that notoriety. The New York Post and ABC News and everybody else has to put your picture on there. All of them do. Societal fear and fascination with mass shootings partly drives the motivation to commit them. Hence, as we've seen in the last week, mass shootings tend to come in clusters. They are socially contagious. Perpetrators study other perpetrators and model their acts after previous shootings. Many are radicalized online in their search for validation from others that their will to murder is justified. And then fourth... huge. The shooters all had a means to carry out their plans. Once someone decides life is no longer worth living and that murdering others would be a proper revenge, only means and opportunity stand in the way of another mass shooting. Is an appropriate shooting site accessible? Well, there always is one of those. Sure, yeah. Wherever you are. Can the would-be shooter obtain firearms? In 80% of school shootings, perpetrators got their weapons from family members, which is 80%. Workplace shooters tended to use handguns they legally owned. Other public shooters were more likely to acquire them illegally and I want to skip ahead to one paragraph where they uh, uh, address number I think it was number three another step these are things we could do knowing what we know another step is to try to make it more difficult for potential perpetrators to find validation for their planned actions media campaigns like hashtag non notoriety are helping starve perpetrators of the oxygen of publicity And technology companies are increasingly being held accountable for for facilitating mass violence. I didn't see any evidence of that this weekend. I saw zero evidence of that this weekend.
2: You know, I'm hoping it's the acorn that grows into an oak tree. The stop glorifying this idea that we've been pitching now for years. But, yeah, like you say, I haven't seen it growing much. We can all slow the
4: spread of mass shootings by changing how we consume, produce, and distribute violent content on media and social media. Amen. Don't like or share violent content. Don't read or share killers' manifestos and other hate screeds posted on the Internet. This is according to a couple of people who study this stuff for a living. We also need to study our current approaches. For example, do lockdown and active shooter drills, help children prepare for the worst, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. God dang it. Don't share their manifestos and hateful screeds. Takes all the fun out of it if I got a big message to tell the world and I go and shoot a bunch of people and nobody hears it. And I realize nobody's ever going to hear this. The cops are going to see it and they're not going to tell
2: anybody. I remember we had a conversation about this with a representative of a major media outlet who will remain nameless because they're not here to defend themselves. This person, it was a he, I'll just say he, um, he uh, said, well, we have to report it. I mean, our job is to give people the facts of what happened. And it was interesting because this is a good person and a smart person, and we couldn't quite get them to understand that. Yeah, we understand that and we concede what you're saying, but you are lending material support to more horror. And you have to put aside that, well, the people have a right to know what they believed and what their words were and who they were mad at and what their name is and what they look like. You got to put that aside. And I know it seems weird for a journalist who spent their entire life believing that disclosing those things is exactly what I do. I don't think it seems weird at all. It seems it seems like elementary to me. The
4: The experts have weighed in and there's almost you, entire unimit. Everybody agrees. This is causing more killings. Yeah. So the, the public needs to know. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares that they? Th- who cares? We're right. causing more killings. So let's stop doing this. Right. Right. I my dream because I I spent a lot of time this weekend thinking about what can we actually do to stop this. Here's my dream: Trump and Obama get together, walk out, and address the nation together. Yeah. So 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 maybe for an for maybe we can possibly. It's my dream. Get away from blaming either Obama or Trump or any president. Or thinking it's all about their own personal politics. Have them both come out in a joint statement. Look, we've talked to health of health professional after health professional. Harvard, Stanford, Columbia, all over the country. And there's agreement on this. Showing the picture, showing the manifesto, talking about them, making them look cool is causing more killings. So we're asking you to stop doing that, media. Well, I realize there's a First Amendment. We can't make you stop doing it. And we're not going to try to make you stop doing it because of the First Amendment. But we're asking you to help Less of these happen in the future. Right. Would that make a difference?
2: I would love that. I would love to see that. That's a beautiful dream. My dream is to own an elephant. Fascinating beast, the elephant. (laughs) Intelligent, compassionate. It's got a long-ass nose. mm the elephant
4: So, how many of the people in the media do you think they haven't heard this message, or do they just reject it out of the? Well, the public has a right to know; it's part of the job. Yeah, you're I an think... idiot. Then you're too stupid to oh, be in the media.
2: Whoa, oh, oh, whoa, oh, You're not bringing people together. You're not helping with how this. Do you, how do you not get? And it's not like it's a fringe belief. No, it, it is as near unanimity as you could possibly have among mental health professionals. These people are looking to express their anger, number one. They're looking for acclaim. They're looking for fame. They're looking for everyone to know how mad they are. Anybody who's ever been angry understands you want people to know you're angry. That's what this is. Changing the politics, hard to
4: impossible. Gun laws, hard to impossible. Not even sure either one of them would help. This one would help. We could do it today. Yes. And it's it's non-political. Right. Right. God, it's very frustrating. What's coming up in your news, Marshall?
5: Uh, President Trump today appealing for bipartisan push to stop the mass shootings. Iran-U.S. tensions are taking on yet another dimension. And Sen- Oh, yeah, that's right. The rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. And we've got a Senator Rand Paul health update that you might not have heard about. Coming up. Oh, and Mitch McConnell broke his shoulder, broke right? Broke his shoulder, yeah. Fell down. How many senators we got left? They're <laughs> dropping like flies. <laughs> yeah.
4: Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. <laughs> Getty. So coming up, and we haven't spent much time on this subject today because uh, the, the Sunday talk shows and the cable shows have been doing it for three days now. Um, the, the aspect of white nationalism, is it a thing? How big a thing is it? Have a leading conservative talking about his fear of growing white nationalism. And it's um, it's pretty interesting. We'll play that for you coming up in a little bit. Right now, news with Marshall Phillips.
5: Now, President Trump will reportedly be visiting Dayton, Ohio, and El Paso, Texas, following the deadly mass shootings over the weekend. According to a notice from the FAA, the president's going to be traveling to both towns on Wednesday. At least 30 people were killed, more than 50 others injured by gunmen in El Paso and Dayton.
6: Well today, the president addressed the nation about those deadly attacks. In one voice, our nation must condemn racism, bigotry, and white supremacy. These sinister ideologies must be defeated. Hate has no place in America. Hatred warps the mind, ravages the heart, and devours the soul. And
5: the president went on to warn about the pervasive influence being exerted by the Internet
6: and social media. We must recognize that the Internet has provided a dangerous avenue to radicalize, disturb minds, and perform demented acts. We must shine light on the dark recesses of the Internet and stop mass murders before they start. Okay, that... The Internet, likewise, is used for human trafficking... Illegal drug distribution, and so many other heinous crimes. The perils of the internet and social media cannot be ignored, and they will not be ignored.
4: Yeah, that was a little interesting tack on there at the yeah. end. Where it's just a blast against the internet, and Trying I don't to build a case for more regulation. Obviously, yeah, but none of that would would apply to 8chan, would it?
2: Well, the the first part, I guess, about you know how it reinforces. Crazy sick beliefs, and obviously. Then the, but...
4: And then the hate and all that sort of stuff, okay, that that's that covers Saturday, but not last Saturday and Saturday night. Because the Gilroy Garlic Festival in Northern California and the Dayton bar scene, they had nothing to do with a uh, hate ideology,
2: at least so far as it's known. Right, right. Uh, by the way, you know, this, uh, this cannot be underestimated, and I think most of you get it, but... I read way too much about musicians for some reason. I just always have, probably always will. But one of my favorite uh, musicians is talking about when he was a kid at middle school, maybe early high school. Um, he had the, the weird esoteric musical tastes right. that nobody nobody around did. He'd just become aware of super hipster bands from a long way away and above. He was completely isolated. But then he met another dude at the school. He happened to see him wear a t shirt, and holy cow, bingo, bango, bongo. They become bus, best buddies. They start one of my favorite bands. Um, It took an incredible coincidence like that If you have weird, maybe sick, esoteric yeah. thoughts of things you'd like to do It was practically impossible that you would run into somebody Who you would say it out loud to and they would say You're right! You ought to kill a bunch of innocent people Now it's effortless And I don't know exactly what to do about that, but that's That's such a change in humanity, it's difficult to properly express how important it is.
4: It's possible from an anthropological standpoint that we're built in such a way that unless we can get a certain number of people to think our idea is a good idea, we don't do it. Maybe that's the way we've built. That's the way we've evolved. Boy, that's beautifully put. That's how we've survived. If you came up with an idea in your little tiny village... Unless you can get a certain number of people to agree with it, you just forget it died it. in your own brain. Right. Now I can go online with some awful idea and find 100 people that will cheer me on. Almost no matter how bad it is. And maybe it's perfectly normal the way we're built that, that that rises into the, okay, I should do this then.
2: Boy, you know, that old simple Jack has come up with some old simple wisdom there. That is but, clearly true. But what would you do about it? I don't know. Well, yeah, and we can move on to that. But by golly, I think trying to figure out what problems we actually have is an important step in uh, answering them or solving them, curing them.
5: Building the Armada, Britain now says it's going to work with the United States in a new international maritime security mission to protect shipping in the Strait of Hormuz. All right, the rest of the world. Ministry of Defense says Royal Navy vessels are going to be working alongside the U.S. Navy to start escorting uh, these ships through the busy strait, which has become a flashpoint for tensions between Iran and the West. Do you think the Mullahs slash the Islamic
2: Revolutionary Guard think great? Because we're trying to get a, a flashpoint. We're trying to uh, get a crisis yeah. going.
4: You know, I don't want a war, but it, World War One ended... The phenomenon of anarchist bombings that were like the school shootings of the early 1900s just wiped out that contagion with something bigger. I don't want a world war, but that might be the only thing that could uh, could stop our weird direction we're going.
5: And a quick Senate health update. We've got Kentucky Senator Rand Paul on the mend. Today, the uh, Republican tweeted that he's taken some time off from public duties to recover from surgery. Paul tweeting, part of my lung damaged by the 2017 assault had to be removed by surgery this weekend. Wow. He thanked his medical team and the staff at the uh, Med Center in uh, Nashville. Paul is saying he expects to return to the Senate in September, and then you got the Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, recovering at home after he fell over and broke his shoulder. Fell or was pushed? I believe. Where where was Chuck Schumer? (laughs) The Spokesman. His spokesman said the 77 year old McConnell had tripped on the outdoor patio at his Louisville uh, home and that he'd been medically treated for the fracture and then released. In both cases, gravity
2: playing a role in savage attacks against Republicans. His gravity turned to partisan. McConnell, 77? Yeah. Wow, we have a lot of old people in charge.
5: And over the weekend, a Frenchman became the first human to cross the English Channel on a hoverboard. Finally this weekend Frank frank's how long must we wait for frenchmen crossing the channel on hoverboards have you watched, asked
2: over and over have you watched the video of that it's
5: incredible
2: uh, i i did it yeah. what was the big uh, celebrations the in Basile france Bastille day yeah, yeah, the, yeah whatever it was yeah, yeah the guy flying around was it the same dude so essentially yeah, yeah. 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 So, oh, so this is a, a french
4: inventor the, the french government has invested some millions if not a billion dollars into this technology trying to you know get it more and Uh, So it took him 22 minutes, I think, to to cross,
5: including a refueling stop. He he reached speeds of... 87 miles an hour. That'd be fast. (laughs) (laughs) Crossing the
4: channel was practically an impossibility for thousands of years as uh,
2: French and British wanted to go back and forth and fight each other in various forms.
4: Now you got a guy flying across in 20 minutes on a hoverboard.
2: Yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm flying 87 miles per hour on a
5: hoverboard. There's going to be a little more urine in the English <laughs> channel if you, if you hear me talking. <laughs> That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. Droppings Johnson. on car windshields like a flock of geese going over.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. I just kind of panicked.
5: I'm Marshall <laughs> I, it occurred to me, how am I going to stop when I get to the other side? <laughs> I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty show, the conscience of the nation.
2: Seeing that dude swoop around like a bird, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. We probably ought to link that video How it not we're end up about...
4: upside down and it just pile drives you into the ground?
2: <laughs> if I were flying it, it would. Wow. Yikes. End up like Mitch McConnell. Hey. Oh.
4: So, a guy who wrote a book in defense of nationalism concerned about white nationalism which some people see as a mixed message but uh
2: right but and again i'm gonna play the i'm gonna work the i recognize there's a problem how did we get this problem we have a cancer how did we get cancer angle of things so we'll hear from this author
4: uh coming up on the armstrong and getty show show so i'll admit that if i hadn't seen this episode of book tv several weeks ago <clears throat> when the white nationalism conversation started on cable news over the weekend i would have dismissed it as all right here we go here's an opportunity to blah 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 and claim trump this and blah 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 Mm-hmm. But I saw this, and um, and, and the, the, the source is, is what makes it interesting. So this guy, his name is Yorham Haz, Haz, Hazani. Yorham Hazani. And he wrote a book called The Virtue of Nationalism, and it won one of your big conservative book awards. It was the conservative book of the year for some big conservative group. Alike. And he gave a speech on Book TV about it, and I thought, I'm never going to read the book, so I'll listen to his speech, get the gist of it. The Virtue of Nationalism, which it, it turns out is somewhat controversial, um some other people that i like were really worried about the way he's playing up nationalism in this time and all this sort of stuff but the the point of his book is that we need a national cohesion you have to have a certain amount of nationalism to survive and that we're we're headed to a place or we might be there now where there are groups of people in this country that something could happen to and you would and you wouldn't feel like no that's like attacking me. We're all the same. Mm-hmm. You would feel like, well, that's their problem. Right? <laughs> I'm, we're not part of the same thing. We live in the same country, but we're not part of the same thing. And that's what he means by the virtue of nationalism. And and some of it, just to set up this clip we're about to play where we get into the white nationalism part, is um, he, he thinks conservatism has, has sold its soul uh, by putting too much emphasis on the economic part of conservatism over the years, and that has gone really well. But abandoning some of the other stuff has led to this lack of cohesion that we have. Interesting. So that's what he's talking about when he mentions libertarian, libertarianism here in the beginning here. But don't get sidetracked by that. He brings up this topic at the end of his acceptance speech for this book in front of a crowd of like some of the most well-known conservatives in, a, in, a, in a, the living conservatives in American history. You know, super smart authors who write about this stuff. And they got really uncomfortable when he started talking about this.
7: <laughs> there is an alternative, And that alternative I find even less attractive than I do the pure libertarianism. There is in this country a growing, I I know it's not pleasant to say, but there is. There's a growing movement, especially among young people. I see this especially among people who are the future, a growing movement in the direction of a white identity politics, which is fundamentally racialist. And it's not just a a small sliver of kooks who dress up in hoods. I'm talking about people, highly educated people, who look at the identity politics of the left. They they said the brown people and black people and people being referred to that way. And they say, well, if they're allowed group interests, why shouldn't we be allowed group interests? We need to defend being white as an interest. This is much more prevalent among the young than you think it is, and it's much more dangerous than you think it is.
4: Now, a lot of people in the crowd tried to argue with him about that and said, no, it's not. What are you talking about? And he says, I'm I'm at college campuses. I spend all my time doing this. This is what I'm seeing. So you got that aspect. Now, we've been saying all morning long, because it's absolutely true. You got this guy on Saturday. He identified as a white nationalist or whatever you want to call it. It's got nothing to do with the shooting later that night or the one a week ago. Or a
2: bunch of other ones. So yeah. the
4: whole shooting phenomenon is not about white nationalists. I'm just focusing on this one particular issue. Because I would have dismissed it as, eh, it ain't nothing. But this guy, um, who is in favor of nationalism and is, you know, coming from the, 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 the conservative side of things, said, look, I'm seeing it around me and we got to worry about this. It's, it's catching on
2: as an intellectual thing. Right. Well, and we've been saying for a very long time, what is the natural, unavoidable right. outgrowth of making all politics about ethnicity? And race, you can't say it's all about ethnicity, except for you people over there. You people over there, it's not about that at all for you. That's just not going to happen. I'm not saying that because I'm defending one ideology or another. It seems obvious to me. It's like we are always saying about Antifa. Listen, if you, I'm looking at you, West Coast cities, tolerate violence from the left, you will get violence from the right, and then you will not be able to stop the violence. It does not take a Ph.D. in political science to understand this. And another problem, or another you know, fuel to that white nationalism thing, is that anybody who is interested in defending the norms of Western civilization, you know, rule of law, justice, uh, color blindness, etc., is becoming is being accused of being a white nationalist. If you think. It shouldn't be about who yells the loudest and is the most aggrieved. You have to make an appeal to logic to carry the day. If you're constantly called a white nationalist for defending the the precepts of Western civilization, at some point people start to think, well, maybe I am one. So I I think all sides of the political spectrum have stuff to answer for in pushing this.
4: What's What's your expectation that the rhetoric gets lowered on both sides anytime
2: soon? Uh, about the same as uh, I'm flying a hoverboard across the English Channel at 87 miles per hour this weekend. Ain't gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. I just—I'm I'm just a stubborn man. Figure we might as well do our part to slow the madness. You can't make politics all about race or ethnicity, and expect white people not to eventually make politics all about race and ethnicity in the same way it used to happen. Civil War, Jim Crow, slavery, just all of that stuff. It's sick and it's horrible. You can't, this is the one you write down, you can't gain justice for one group by taking it away from another.
4: That was a... Explaining to my uh, kids, particularly my oldest, the concept of escalating a conflict yesterday as mm. he and his brother got into a fight.
2: <laughs> yes, indeed. And uh, that is a lesson that's seen over and over again among brothers <laughs> and, well, siblings fighting. <laughs> or countries. Uh, Certainly. I
4: mean, it can go different ways. I actually use the example of uh, shooting down a drone. They shot down ours. We shoot down theirs, whatever, boat, you know. At some I point, see. somebody's got to say, whoa, or it goes further. Sometimes you have to take it further because you have no choice, but... You just escalated this conflict when you threw that
2: Hot Wheels car at him. (laughs) There are now projectiles involved. (laughs) Exactly. Now, I am dad. Think of me as the UN. I'm here to say everybody got to cool down. So when it crosses
4: from words to physical pain, then it's an escalation.
2: The yes. Hot Wheel car is a fearsome weapon. It's it's not bad. It's I mean, dangerous. It's not going to put you in the hospital, but it'll hurt. Unless it hits you right in the eyeball. Oof. It's all fun games till somebody loses an eye, huh? I don't want the show to be over, but, but I
1: am
6: ready, ready to listen to the final thoughts from Armstrong and Getty.
2: Yeah! Here's your host, Joe Getty. <laughs> Love that so much. Let's get a final thought from everybody to round out the show. Hey, it's Positive Sean. Final thought? Yeah, I, I don't have any answers to what's
4: going on in the country right now, but the biggest thing I'm trying to do is, is fight the feeling of numbness. I don't want to become numb to these things. Oh, these yeah. are big issues that deserve to be discussed and figured out, and I can't get just
2: I can't quit on them. i, I got to fight through the numbness. He runs the thing. Michelangelo in the control room.
1: Michael? Yeah, most people are good, and you can't let some losers make you afraid to go out in public. Enjoy your Walmart, your food festivals, your favorite taverns, just like you always have uh
5: marshall phillips your final thought you know the weekend weekend was really weird because first i heard about the one shooting at the walmart then we have the other shooting and you're just looking at this thing play over and over and over again and the arguments on both sides all sides seem to be the same ones everybody's shouting past each other i just came away from the weekend feeling sad yeah Mm -hmm. yeah jack final thought for us
4: yeah that's true i think it was for everybody you go to bed with the one wrestling yeah. with the one how could this happen and you wake up and see the alerts on your phone that there was another one right holy crap yeah so that's an interesting balance sean was just talking about joe We're just you know we we've covered all angles of it you don't want to get consumed by this revel in it have it dominate your day but right. you don't want to brush it off and just get used to it and accept it as part of life either right finding a balance of that is, is difficult
5: yeah
2: so, uh, my final thought is one I've expressed consistently throughout the day today. Try to understand. You're not supporting or condoning or encouraging something by understanding it. Try to understand why these mostly young men feel the need to cope with their anger by committing mass murders. We can't cure it till we understand it.
4: And probably the best thing you can do is try to have some influence on the young males in your life, whether they're students or children or friends or whatever.
2: Yep. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people, thanks a little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have links to the good stuff. Uh, plus, you can email us. What are your thoughts? Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com.
4: We'll see you tomorrow with hopefully a more normal show. God bless America.
6: Hate has no place in our country.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
0: Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie
1: is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia
2: He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael.
1: To the legend behind Labamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When
2: I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at
1: Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C.,